Hi friends, and welcome to Live Well with Emily, a podcast where we talk about all things yoga, Ayurveda, mindful living, and holistic wellness. My goal is to inspire and empower you to cultivate a deep sense of connection with yourself and give you the tools necessary to live a more balanced, healthy, peaceful life. I'm so happy you're here. Let's get started. Hey love, welcome back or welcome if this is your first time listening. Thanks for being here. I'm super excited to have you either way. My name is Emily. I am a yoga teacher and Ayurveda practitioner and I am super excited to be starting this podcast. So, and I'm really excited today because I'm doing my first Q&A. I asked for some questions from you guys and I have some here, so I'm going to go over these. Um, and if you have, I'm going to do a Q&A every month. So um, if you have questions, you can just send them on over and they will end up in a Q&A. Okay, so question number one, um, what would a typical day look like using these Ayurvedic practices together? Okay, so here's a basic Ayurvedic day. Wake up early. Vatas rise no later than with the sun. Pittas rise at least 30 minutes before the sun, and kaphas rise at least an hour before the sun. Scrape your tongue, splash your face with water, do your morning routine, you know, brush your teeth, floss, the usual, then have some warm water or maybe trifula tea. Um, do your sadhana, your spiritual practice, yoga, asana, meditation, maybe you do some pranayama or some journaling and so on. Then you do your abhyanga oil massage and take a bath or a shower. Okay. Uh, then you make breakfast, something light and simple. Um, and then you do your work or you go to work, whatever your job is. Now it starts. And then at lunchtime, right around noon, um, but at least between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., you make food. Have your biggest meal of the day here. Ideally, you eat in a quiet, peaceful, clean space, and you're eating food that is fresh, yummy, easy to digest, and made with love. And ideally, you can rest for a little while after eating every meal before going right back into your day. Then you go back to work. Um, whatever that is for you. In an ideal world, your workday is finishing up during Vata time of day. So between 2 p.m. and 6 p.m., you wrap up the workday and make dinner. Again, food is made fresh, uh, which is, you know, you're making it with great mindfulness and gratitude and attention, lots of love in every meal. Food is a sacred practice in Ayurveda. Um, so it's very important that we spend time with our food. We're putting our energy into it. We're putting our intention into it. Um, and, and we're spending, when we're actually eating it, we're eating it in a very grateful, present way. Dinner is best had... Um, before 6 p.m. if possible. I know that's kind of early for a lot of people when I say, you know, we usually eat between 5 and 5.30. Um, if you can at least make it before 7, that's good. Um, for the evening, 
you know, you want life to be easy and simple and relaxing. So chilling with your family, reading a book, taking a walk during the sunset, maybe journaling, maybe a family movie night. You're just, you're relaxing and letting the day go. Um, and then for nighttime routine, you know, minimize lights and screens in the house if possible, you know, regular stuff like wash your face, brush your teeth. Maybe you add a little lavender oil to your body to increase that chill vibe. Uh, just get ready for bed. Maybe have some relaxing tea or spiced milk and then, um, be in bed at least, you know, no later than 10 PM. So ideally you're sleeping before 10 so that your body, uh, can use that productive pitta time to work on healing and detoxing and transforming the body and mind and nervous system. Basically it's simple. It's slow. It's calm. It's steeped in presence and gratitude and love. Other things would be added for different types of conditions or, you know, the focus would be on specific parts of this, like which kind of yoga practice to do or food to eat based on your body and imbalances, based on the seasons and climate and so on. But this is a general gist. It's about looking at yourself and your environment and adjusting as necessary to find balance and peace. Okay. Um, next question for an Ayurveda beginner, which practice would you recommend to start with or focus on? If you're just beginning, I'd say start with tongue scraping. It's so simple. It takes 30 seconds in the morning and it's actually a really potent practice that will, um, ease you into more and more of the lifestyle. Also, if you're good with that, if you're already doing that, um, I would focus on warm drinks. Drink warm water and hot teas throughout the day as opposed to cold drinks. Um, even like with smoothies and stuff, instead of using frozen food for like frozen fruits for your um, smoothies, I would try to use instead fresh produce so that the, the smoothie isn't so cold and so hard on the digestive system in that way. Um, if you've got that down, I'd probably move on to oiling the body. So you can start with really simple, um, in the morning after brushing your teeth, practice oil pulling, you know, or if that sounds like too much, just massage some sesame oil with your finger into your gums and then massage sesame oil into your nostrils and then your ears. Nice and easy. That's probably, those are what I would start with. Warm water, oil tongue scraping. Yeah. Um, okay. In what specific ways do Ayurveda and yoga relate in your life? Mm, okay. Well, yoga is a practice that Ayurveda prescribes. So our yoga practice should bring balance and health to our mind, body, and spirit, which is the goal of Ayurveda respectively. So Ayurveda is seen as the science for healing the physical body and priming it for spiritual evolution. Um, when the body is totally healthy, we can focus on our spiritual development more closely. So they relate on a very, very deep level. And actually one can only last so long without the other. They complete each other. So when I, you know, I practiced yoga on its own without any regard to real knowledge about Ayurveda. 
Um, and yes, it completely changed my life as it does. Yoga is incredible even on its own, but there came a point for me where I needed to get deeper, deeper into my knowing and my center. Asana practice is great and beautiful and catapults you into a new way of being, but I've found that Ayurveda sustains and nourishes that. Um, so I use my Ayurveda practice uh, to align with my highest potential, my greatest desires, to prepare my body for my asana practice and for ultimate health, um, which catapults me deeper into my spiritual life and to keep me present and compassionate every day. My Ayurveda practice is my yoga practice and my yoga practice is an Ayurvedic practice. Uh, they have both lifted my awareness and connection to real life that now I can really be in and of the world in a new, healthier way. It's all-encompassing self-love, which turns into encompassing compassion or all-encompassing compassion for the rest of the world. So I always say when you, um, when you practice yoga, you make the world a better place by taking the time to cultivate a sense of peace, uh, presence, awareness, and connection within yourself. You're able to share that with the rest of the world. But for me, Yoga in and of itself could only take me so far. That may not be the case for you or for everyone, you know, but but when I started incorporating Ayurveda into my daily life, I found a deeper sense of presence, love, compassion, connection, um, peace, awareness, you know, within myself. And I I had a larger cup to pour from, if you will. By, by incorporating Ayurveda into my practice. It's kind of like how um, the yogi would do asana practice so that they could sit longer in meditation. Both yoga and Ayurveda are practices that allow you to become closer to your source, your truest nature, and your greatest um, potential. So hopefully that answers that question. <laughs> um, okay, next question. I am a kapha dominant person and I don't know what to eat. Everything I read feels very limiting. Um, so many things are not allowed. What exactly is allowed? Okay, I've, I've gotten this question a lot. My poor kapha friends. I know when you read about this stuff um, online and stuff, it's like, okay, so kaphas just need to fast or eat soup forever. Um, but that's <laughs> totally not true. It's not actually the case. Kaphas have plenty of options. Uh, look, Ayurveda is all about balance and moderation. So kaphas can eat all the things still, but we have to pay attention and particularly pay more attention to the qualities of food versus the qualities we're feeling within ourselves at any given time. So for example, um, to answer your question, the best foods for kaphas are going to have bitter, astringent, and pungent tastes. That means bitter leafy greens, spicy vegetables, and drier foods or foods that bring a drier quality, like a dryness to the body. Um, kapha is heavy, dense, moist, stable, soft, cool, or cold. Um, so eating foods that oppose those qualities, light foods, warm foods, spicy foods, dry foods, sharp foods like crackers, popcorn, seeds stuff like that. 
um, easy to digest foods, foods that aren't super heavy or oily, you know, avoiding, avoiding stuff like that. Well, I mean, avoiding the heavy and oily, not the sharp and light stuff. (laughs) Okay. So, I mean, does that mean that you can never eat like a potato or an avocado ever again? No, of course not. But, um, just remember if you ignore a certain taste or quality of food for too long, you'll throw yourself into a new imbalance. So a kapha, uh, you know, just focus on light, fresh, stimulating foods. A Brothy vegetable soup, a fresh salad with, you know, um, chipotle lime dressing, sauteed veggies with rice and lentils. Um, those are really good options. Those are great options for kapha. A big thing to focus on is spicing your foods really well so that you can digest them properly and feel good after eating. So whatever you eat, add turmeric, black pepper, red pepper flakes, onion powder, garlic powder, vindaloo curry, um, ginger, clove, cinnamon, etc. Right? So, so yes, you can eat potatoes and avocados and stuff, but focus more on those light, dry, invigorating, spicy foods and pay special attention to how you're feeling on a specific day. Do you feel heavy? Counteract that with lighter foods. Do you feel really cloudy? Um, Counteract that with uh, some clear, spicy foods. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, Okay, let me see, let me see. Next question. Help with tinea versa. Also, my boyfriend's skin is often red and irritated, so skin stuff in general would be greatly appreciated. Okay, um, tinea versa. I think tinea versa color um, is a fungal infection in the skin. It's caused by an overgrowth of yeast that actually exists on your skin naturally, but when it starts to go wild, you can end up with rashes or discoloring of the skin, like um, dark or light patches, stuff like that. So it can be caused by several different things, ranging from everything from like hormonal changes to just being in like hot temperatures. If you have oily skin or if you're sweating excessively, um, or if you have like a compromised immune system too, um, among other things as well. And it can happen to anybody, women, men, teenagers, all ethnicities, all dosha types, but it's generally seen in Ayurveda as a pitta aggravation, um, or sometimes a a kapha aggravation. So First, I'd look at what else is going on in your life. How, you know, how's your digestion? How's your stress levels? And the management of that stress. Um, are you? Are there other areas of your life where you're seeing a pitta or kapha imbalance? You know, what are? Um, what kind of foods are you eating? Do you have excess mucus or inflammation, etc.? That would be something I'd want to address as well. Um, so that we could really start to get to the to the root cause of what was happening. But let's start with some topical options. So coconut oil, apply coconut oil 
to your body every day. You can do fractionated coconut oil if you'd like to remove the um, comedogenic properties or regular organic cold pressed coconut oil is great too if, it, if you don't have problems with it. Ideally, you're doing this abhyanga style, so warming the oil up and massaging your whole body with the coconut oil really well. You can add some essential oils to the coconut oil if you want. So for this instance, I'd say tea tree oil or lavender oil would be a great, gentle, effective option. You could also do a bit of peppermint oil or geranium, clove, lemon as well. Um, That'll make your oil a little more potent and specific to your individual needs. Um, Or the plain coconut oil will work by itself too, your call. Okay, so I'd definitely do that. Um, I would consider taking neem neem baths, like making a neem bath tea. So you make some tea on the stove with neem leaves and then pour that tea into a hot bath. Stay in the bath for at least 30 minutes. Of course, if irritation or stinging occurs, then get out and rinse off, but you should be good. Um, Another thing you can do here but may not want to because of staining, but um, is making a paste of turmeric powder and neem tea, rub that on the affected areas, and then take your hot bath with that on you. Um, You can also substitute the neem leaves for tulsi leaves or calendula flowers as well. Internally, I would consider taking 100% pure whole leaf aloe vera juice daily. Just one ounce or two is fine. You know, you don't need to drink a lot of it. Um, You can also drink golden milk. So the turmeric will be really beneficial for you. And triphala powder is really, really powerful. I'd consider starting to take a fourth teaspoon of triphala powder in a hot cup of water and drink that on an empty stomach, either in the morning or evening, one or the other. Now, for your boyfriend who has red or irritated skin, again, we would need to look at his diet and his lifestyle habits in general and see what his dosha is, what his imbalance is from, you know, so so that we can start to understand the root cause of the skin aggravation. Um, But we can take a moment to think about, you know, each dosha. So so red, rosy, inflamed skin, oily skin, acne, etc., is generally a sign of a pitta imbalance. So starting with diet, as always, um, I'd take in cooler foods like cucumbers, watermelon, zucchini, avocado, white basmati rice, coconut, etc., to start, um, and of course, you know, get rid of all of the unprocessed foods too. Uh, So lots of leafy greens, vegetables, local, organic, humanely raised animal products, and minimizing super hot or spicy foods. I'd increase cumin, coriander, and fennel in his diet as well, more bitter foods. Um, There needs to be a detoxing and a cooling aspect present if the skin issue is pitta-based. For vata, the skin can become very dry, sensitive, cracked. It may even be red from being so dry as opposed to Pitta's red due to inflammation. So if this is more the case, I'd 
I'd increase the healthy fats and oils by a lot. So every meal, there's ghee, there's avocado, olive oil, coconut oil, something. I'd make sure that he's um, doing regular abiyanga on himself every day and make sure he's super hydrated with warm to hot water and herbal teas, lots of broths and soups. Um, But yeah, each skin condition is so special and unique to that um, to that person and what doshas are happening. So it would be, you know, you can't get super in detail with this um, without knowing a little bit more, without a personal consultation or something to see if it is pitta or whatever it's really coming from. But in general, these are basic good ideas. If it is a vata imbalance, um, then I would say for the abhyanga, for the oil massage, I would use a sesame oil or a sweet almond oil. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Um, what daily routines can I add to my self-care practice? My, okay. Yeah. Uh, my self-care practice. Okay. Abhyanga oil pulling and tongue scraping are always my go-tos because everybody benefits from it. Oil, oil, oil yourself. Everybody, especially if you're vata, oil yourself every day, but also pittas and kaphas. Adding oil to your belly button is a good one. Um, Giving yourself a little belly button oil bath. So pouring some warm oil maybe herbal oil if you know which ones are going to be best to serve you, and then lying on your back and filling your belly button with oil for 10 to 30 minutes is really, really beneficial. Um, It's a great self-care practice to take on. The belly button is where all the nadis connect, so it's a very powerful spot on our body and has been used in Ayurveda for, I mean, forever as a beauty regimen and um, also like to cure certain ailments, even just simple things like chapped lips can be cured by belly button oil baths. So I would definitely add that in. It's, it's fun and easy and nice, kind of relaxing and whatever. <laughs> uh, what else? I would definitely do dry brushing. Dry brushing is a great um, option to add to your daily self-care practice. Making sure you get outside every single day is an important self-care practice. Cooking your own meals every day is an important self-care practice. Um, Other than those, I would say it kind of depends on the dosha to some extent. You know, a vata person would benefit greatly from adding stillness to their daily self-care practice, a meditation, or even a short nap if they want or need it. It can be really, really incredible self-care. Um, but for a kapha, for example, uh, their self-care would be better served through some ecstatic dance or like incorporating more time in the sauna or going out with a friend more regularly. A pitta self-care might be best taken in the form of an herbal face mask or um, hot Epsom salt bath with oils and a good book. Actually, everyone could benefit from that one, but you catch my drift, yeah? Like, I'd say everyone should be um, adding an oil massage, oil pulling, tongue scraping, dry brushing, time outside, <laughs> and homemade meals into their regular self-care practices. That's really going to connect you to yourself and connect you to the world connect you to your spirit and your body. So yeah. Um, okay. 
best diet to balance vata and pitta doshas. So I've actually covered this to some degree, at least in previous episodes, but here's a quick recap. Pitta is pacified by eating bitter, astringent, and sweet foods. Vata is pacified by eating sweet, sour, and salty foods. Always real, whole foods. You're not going to find balance by eating a bunch of, like, Cheetos or something because you think they're salty, yeah? Um, but, But go check out the episodes Balancing Pitta Dosha and Balancing Vata Dosha. I have foods in there that are best for each dosha. They're short episodes, and you'll probably get some other good info there, too, if you're Pitta or Vata is imbalanced. Um, And like I said earlier with the kapha question, pay attention to the qualities you're feeling at any given moment. This is important. This is potentially even more important than like, than following a dosha diet because, you know, take a moment to forget the dosha, the label, and just look at the current imbalance that's presenting. You know, what is it? If you feel hot, take in cooling foods. If you feel dry, take in moist foods. Um, You feel light and airy, uh, eat more root vegetables. You know, you feel angry and frustrated, eat more figs and coconut. So, so paying more attention to like what, what sensations are rising now. And if I think about it, like what kind of food is opposite of that? Yeah, but go check out those episodes. I also have some blog posts on this too on my website, emilyobrienwellness.com. You can check that out as well. Okay, um, should you practice yoga on your period? In my traditional lineage, um, you take three days off. So your first three days of your period, you rest. And then For the remaining days of your period, you stay simple and soft. Traditionally, it's said, at least in the yoga I've learned, is that you avoid um, inversions and bandhas while you're on your period. And instead, focus on poses like Baddha Konasana, wide leg forward fold, um, some hip openers like that, some some back bends, twists, etc. But I generally recommend students to take it easy on their periods gentle yin or restorative yoga, especially on those first few days is great. Um, and then, you know, easing back into your full, more intense practice, nice and slowly is key. I actually, um, just recorded a period podcast episode that kind of talks about this stuff too, like how to practice yoga on your period and stuff. So, um, go back and listen to that if you haven't already, and maybe that will help too. Um, Yeah, okay, next one. How to control sweet cravings. Okay, so sweet cravings can be coming from a lot of different things. Here are a few uh, reasons why you might be craving sweets. One, you're not getting enough energy through the other food you're eating. You're not getting enough minerals and vitamins through, vitamins through the other food you're eating. You're not eating enough food or enough well-balanced meals, so you're never really feeling satisfied. Um, I would look into your insulin levels, blood sugar levels, and how much healthy fat, magnesium, and zinc 
you're getting in your diet as well. Uh, Your craving could very well be your body just telling you that something is off physically, that you're not quite getting what you need, and it's trying to make up for that. Um, Another thing that could be causing it is, uh, you know, you may also be craving sweets more on an emotional plane. So the sweet taste is nourishing for the mind and body. It brings us an immediate sensation of, 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 of goodness and coziness and joy, you know? So sometimes people crave sweets because they're trying to fill up something within their emotional body as opposed to their physical body, although it's very likely that it's both. Number one would be to figure out get to the very bottom, the very core of why you crave sweets. If you've done the blood work and whatnot and all is well, then you need to dig in deeply into your emotional life. What is it you're covering up, that you're filling up with with sweets? What is triggering you? What feels incomplete within yourself or your life? How are the sweets, um, quote unquote, helping, you know? What are they, what are they serving? Quote unquote, serving. (laughs) Um, Sugar is also just in and of itself a very addictive substance. So you're probably physically and emotionally addicted to sugar at this point too. So that's a whole other thing to tackle, but totally possible. It's just, you know, it's another layer. So uh, we're working on the physical body needing something the emotional body needing something, and then the physical and emotional body becoming addicted to this substance because it's it's what we've been turning to for so long, and now the body really craves it. Like Not just the gap um, that it's trying to fill in your body or your life, but now it's now it's its own whole thing. Does that make sense? Um, now we have the physical and emotional pull to the sugar uh, to the sugar itself, you know, because it's so addicting. Right. So like, let's just like, okay, let's look at, um, smoking cigarettes because, okay. So you, you start smoking cigarettes because for whatever reason, whatever reason it might be, I don't know, you want to fit in or, uh, you know, so the initial reason you start smoking was actually because you were trying to use the cigarette to be complete and worthy right? But it didn't actually fix that. It just maybe possibly put a, a band-aid over the real issue for a while, right? Um, but now, since you started smoking, and nicotine is super addictive, so so now you have your initial problem of feeling unworthy, and you also have this new addiction to cigarettes. So now you have to learn how to quit smoking and learn how to fill yourself up in a productive way where you actually have to look at the issue you were hiding from in the first place. Um, and I'm just using this as an example because I think everyone understands the dangers and super addictive nature of cigarettes more concretely than that of sugar. So it's just an example, but sugar is the same way, essentially, you know, like, it's, I don't know, hopefully that makes sense. So in Ayurveda, Ayurveda is all about getting to the core of the issue first. What's causing the cravings? That's where you need to start because when you know the root cause, you can pull the root out. If you only cut the stem out of sight, the root is still there and it will grow back. And probably with a vengeance, you know, like have you ever forced yourself to stop eating sugar? And then eventually when you give you give in again, it's like 
you have no self-control at all and you eat the entire bag of Snickers or whatever, that's because you didn't get to the root. So it may seem like a superficial thing. I crave sugar and I don't want to, so I'm not going to eat it, right? But but there's a reason. Um, and it's going to take some serious turning inward, some real spiritual self-exploration to understand why. So that's my number one thing. Um, On top of that, I would make sure that you're eating full, balanced meals every single day. Lots of healthy fats like avocado, olive oil, nuts, coconut oil, butter, ghee, etc. Make sure you're getting good, high-quality protein. If you eat meat, make sure your meat is coming from local, organic, pasture-raised farms. Same with your milk and cheese and eggs if you eat those. Make sure you're eating enough leafy greens and root vegetables. So root vegetables like beets, carrots, potatoes, parsnips, um, and then eating grains, dairy, animal protein, nuts, those are all considered to be sweet. The sweet taste is heavy, moist, dense, cool, and stable. So you might be craving either psychologically or physically those qualities, in which case I'd say up those sweet foods in your diet, the Ayurvedic ones, that is, that I just mentioned. Up those ones and then um, see if that helps too. Okay, let's move on. Next question. Um, Okay, how to incorporate better foods as opposed to dieting how to know who to listen to. There are so many different opinions on what to eat and what not to eat. Yes, great question. So I'm really not a fan of any diet. I don't adhere to any diet, and that wasn't always the case. I was a vegetarian for 10 years. I've been vegan. I've done paleo and keto. I've followed medical medium protocols. I've even tried just eating fruits and vegetables and nothing else. Um, The truth is, I used to struggle with food, like hardcore. I wasn't using food to nourish me. I was using it to control my life, to try to feel good about myself, to overcome myself. I've gone through periods where my my portions were so tiny, like I remember being so hungry and only allowing myself to have like six strawberries. Um, I remember eating one roll of sushi for dinner and not actually being full or satisfied, but not eating anything else that night because I wanted my stomach to stay small. Like I wanted to feel that like empty stomach, you know, hopefully that makes sense. Or like I'd eat one small piece of chocolate after a meal or a cookie or something. And then I've Like I'd feel guilty and shameful about it for the rest of the day. Um, so, you know, I've had a, I've had a history of very unhealthy relationship with food. And the truth is I wasn't able to nourish and feed myself in a way that was healthy and wholesome because I wasn't loving myself as much as I deserved. I wasn't giving myself what I needed because for whatever reason, I believed I didn't deserve it. I wasn't worth it. Um, I've kind of gotten off topic here with this question, but I, I want to share that because now I don't have those weird rules or harmful eating patterns. Now I really do have a joyful, fluid, compassionate connection with the food that I eat and I eat everything. 
well, okay, basically everything. I, you know, I eat everything that's whole food. I don't eat weird processed foods that come from a plastic bag in some like random aisle at the grocery store or something. I, I eat real whole foods and, um, I don't demonize any food group, not sugar, not meat, not dairy, not grains or gluten, nothing. And I've never felt better. And the trick is, okay, the trick is this intuitive eating. Um, this question says, how do I know who to listen to? Only listen to yourself, yourself. You are the only one who knows what is good for you. There are so many different opinions on what to eat and what not to eat uh, because there are so many different people in the world and we all have different, you know, we all, we all have a completely different microbiome. We all have a different response to different food and there is no diet that fits every single person. There's no black and white, right or wrong. If someone's like, look, don't eat bell peppers. They're bad for you. They're nightshades. Um, they cause pain in your body or, you know, whatever it is. Um, like, okay, so that person has a bad reaction to bell peppers, but when you eat bell peppers, how do you feel? How do you feel? Your body is always speaking to you. It is constantly telling you what it wants and what it needs in order to find optimal balance and health. Now, if you have, um, a lot of toxins in your body, if you're pretty off course and eating a lot of processed foods all the time or something like that, if you're addicted to sugar or alcohol, you know, your body's voice is going to be muffled. Your ego's voice is going to be louder and your ego voice is going to reach for sense pleasure, essentially short-term gratification. But even underneath that voice still is the voice of your soul. And it's constantly telling you what it actually needs in order to grow and blossom and become louder for you. And when you listen to that voice, you're eating intuitively. You're listening to your own soul, your own body, and no one else's opinion or experience. So what's your truth? So uh, yes, how to incorporate better foods instead of dieting. First step is not making anything off limits. Now, if you're allergic to something, obviously don't eat it. If you have celiac disease, don't eat gluten, obvious things like that. Um, Because yes, that's your body telling you, no, it doesn't, this isn't working for me, you know, but other things like, like someone told you lemons are bad because they're too acidic. Eh, No, maybe for that person, but, but that's not a universal truth. Um, Someone said beans are bad. No, not a universal truth. What is your truth? So nothing is off limits and then you can find your truth keep a food diary and pay attention to how you feel after certain meals. Um, I would incorporate more whole foods as much as you can. So eat meals that have all six tastes. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, I do have a blog post on it, on the six tastes on my website. Um, And I have a little series on my Instagram too that you can check out that goes over the six tastes. Uh, Eat more leafy greens. Um, more vegetables, more fruits, 
more wholesome grains, more wholesome proteins, more quality fats. So rather than cutting things out, focus on just adding more of the goodies and high quality goodies. Um, Add more greens to your smoothie in the morning. So if your meal is normally like, if you're like, um, I want mac and cheese. Okay, fine. But add some arugula or broccoli to that macaroni and cheese. You know, like put some psyllium husk in that macaroni and cheese, have some fermented veggies on the side, right? Just add in the other good stuff. Okay. One more thing with this, um, in Ayurveda, something we say a lot is it's not what you eat, it's how you eat. So what is the story you're telling yourself around the foods you're eating? right? What are your thoughts as you eat? Because those things are also being taken into your body and mind. Your body hears everything the mind says. So if you're eating macaroni and cheese and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so bad for me. Um, I'm so bad for eating this. Um, I shouldn't be eating this or or uh, something like that, you know, or if you're running around and eating at the same time or watching TV and scarfing down all the food as you stare at the screen, um, that food isn't as nourishing anymore. All of that affects the, your food in the way that um, your body digests it. So that matters too. But that's probably a whole discussion for another episode, honestly. Hopefully I... Uh, all of that made sense and I answered your question. Um, okay, so that's all I have for today. If I didn't get to your question this time around, I will be doing Q&As every month. So send me your questions and I will answer them here next time. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, if you need any clarification or anything on something I've discussed here, feel free to send me an email at hello at emilyobrienwellness.com or on Instagram at emilyobrienwellness. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you guys. We'll talk soon. Love you.